1: details. Blog Talk Radio.
0: Yippity yeah it. What's going on everybody? It's your boy Three K as always. In for another night of lovely curved show radio tonight, August 14, 2014, in the thick of the 2014 preseason for the St. Louis Rams. Again, it's your boy Three K. Uh Need you guys to call in later on the show. We're gonna have in Jeff Roman, formerly a Rams Gab. And the one and only, let me check, trying to confirm with him, I think he's going to make it in in just a little bit. Big Will coming in from Ramsford. Will Horton, obviously is going to be trying to join us in the interim while we wait for those guys to get on the show. Uh, going to knock a couple discussion points off. You guys can call us in afterwards. The number tonight, 347-857-1022. Again, that's 347-857-1022 to call into Toshio Radio. Uh, what do we got on, I guess, I guess, first off, let, let's not be naive about this. It's a, uh, you know, it's a Rams podcast. So obviously when we talk about the Rams, sometimes we're going to have to talk about the city of St. Louis. And it's been a, uh, a difficult week for a lot of people in the metro area. Um, it looks like, uh, things are a little bit better tonight. So just a quick note, thoughts and prayers out to everybody in the area. Uh, you know, this is, uh, this is America. You wish sometimes, uh, that 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 it matched the idea that you have in your head, and sometimes it doesn't, and that's sad. But uh, here's wishing that this is a blip in history that we get right and that we move on to football and don't have to worry about stuff like this ever again. Yay. How about that? Uh, but seriously, best uh, thoughts and prayers out to everybody. hope things get righted quickly. That being said, let's talk about some football. Okay, great. Zeb's... <laughs> That's what we like to talk about. It's touch show radio, man. We like to talk about football and tacos and meatloaf, the, the person, the dish, whatever it is. I know Brandon Bates out there waiting for both. So maybe we'll combine them both. Maybe we'll have meatloaf on the show covered in meatloaf. You never know. But it's 2014 preseason for the Rams. We're one game down, 26-24 uh, to 24 loss to the uh, to the New Orleans Saints. Obviously the the final score, the result isn't the big deal. It's the performances and obviously first and foremost, any injuries lost Mason Brodean for the year thoughts out to him from the TST family. Hopefully he's uh, able to recover and make a career out of this. And if not, we wish him the very best, but that should be a stark reminder to everybody. What's at stake. You don't want to see something like that happen to, uh, you know, the key players or key starters, anybody that you're expecting to be a uh, key component of this 2014 season. You just don't want to see injuries take them out the way they did for Mason. So let's hope that doesn't happen the rest of the preseason. But, you know, when we get into the regular season, obviously, there's a lot more pressing issues when you talk about who's performing, who's hot, rapport with Sam Bradford. And really that's first and foremost going into the second preseason game with Green Bay is the fact that Sam Bradford will be making his return uh, to the field for the St. Louis Rams since week seven last year against Carolina. Uh, I don't expect, and we shouldn't be hoping that he comes out, you know, ten for ten or tearing it up. Really, this is about uh, shaking off some cobwebs, physically and production-wise, but as well as mentally. You got to be able to get out there and test the knee, uh, albeit uh, on a limited basis. You want to be able to make some throws and, uh, you know, move around out of the backfield. Maybe test it on a couple scrambles. Obviously, they held him out of the first game. There's a risk that we're all aware of when you put somebody on the football field, and when you've got an asset like Sam Bradford that is a as valuable as he is semantically, but b uh, for as much capital that the Rams are investing in him, you want to make sure that he's standing upright uh, for the entirety of his playing time. So it'll be one of those things. Look, we're going to be baited <laughs> breath. Let's not kid ourselves, but you got to give them some time in the free season. And uh, uh, the good thing is it's coming in uh, the second game and maybe not waiting until the last second for that to happen. The other big injury that we're tracking is Jake Long. Sounds like he'll be available, uh, not for this Green Bay Packers game, but uh, a week later, uh, August 23rd against the Cleveland Browns, when the Rams head to Cleveland to face the Johnny football TV show. Should be interesting, man. Good stuff going on. we're going to have on Jeff and Will in just a second, waiting for Will to hit the switchboard. I do want to introduce this idea we're going to start doing this year for Tertial Radio. It's going to be storyline for the night, story to ask our guest, story for you guys to comment on uh, when you call up when we get to the call-in section. Tonight's seems pretty much simple. Uh, it, it's, it's going to be who has the most to gain from this weekend? Who has the most to gain against Green Bay? Is it going to be Sam Bradford just getting on the field? Is it maybe one of the receivers who gets to develop an early, you know, rapport, who gets to sense that chemistry with Sam on a level well beyond what you get in practice? Is it one of the rookies? Is it somebody like Greg Robinson or Aaron Donald? Is it somebody at the back end of the roster who's trying to fight for a spot? Who really has the most to gain from this weekend? Interested to hear some of your guys' opinions when we get to that. But that will be our theme for the night. A couple other things we're going to try to get to tonight uh, with Will, with Jeff, when we get them on, is going to be uh, looking ahead to the state of the team. The roster obviously has drop that piece, kind of looking at the 53-man roster and looking at it from a positional standpoint of saying, look, here's what they went with in 2013, two quarterbacks. Is that going to be something that we see this year, the tight ends? You've got an interesting battle even without Brody at the back of that between Justice Cunningham and Alex Bayer to see how that plays out is going to be Uh, crucial to figure out, because when you start taking up those spots and maybe, let's say, the less than prime positions, you're looking at special teams and how you want to fill that out, either with, you know, linebackers, cornerbacks, safeties, tight ends, those kind of things. It's uh, difficult decisions coming down the pipe for Jeff Fisher and the rest of the coaching staff. But looking at how they presented those problems and how they approached them, I guess, in 2013, if they do it the same way they did last year, and this year is going to be some difficult decisions. You look at the quarterbacks. You look at some of the members of the secondary. And as we watch this preseason, some of those guys are going to have some impressive performances, so it's not going to be easy to deal with. But let's do this. We got Jeff on the line, so let me bring him in. And if Will's able to join us, we'll type him in. Jeff, how does that sound? Welcome to Tertial Radio. What's going on, man? Hey, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you, brother? Jeff, everybody, formerly, formerly of Rams Gap. Jeff, what are you doing these days, bro? Uh, I, I don't do a lot. I don't do a lot. I'm a, I'm a professional Twitter observer. Uh, you know, That's what I'm just kind about. of, uh, you know, just retired from the blog game. I guess you could call me. I like it. Get it how you live, man. Uh, what, what is yeah. the Twitter handle for everybody out there? That would be Jeff, the character underscore and the word underscore. I'm really realizing now that that doesn't kind of really roll off the tongue. Uh, that one well. of my favorites yeah, Jeff underscore, underscore. The first one's the character. The second one's the word. You know, underscores are for gentlemen. That's, a, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, the character <laughs> is right. not the actual word. The word, is, the word is for imbeciles, but the character, yeah. that's for well, genius. But if, you have, if you have both, it's kind of, you know, bounces each other out. The yin and the yang. Hey, there's a difference between reasons and excuses. It's all good, man. No, Jeff, everybody, <laughs> Jeff, character, underscore, word, underscore. Good guy, great views, great follow on Twitter. Jeff. Let's get into it. What, what did you see last week? We, uh, I mentioned it real quickly, and we got the theme for the night, but uh, Will's going to come on and give us some reactions from camp itself. What, where do you think this team is? We got one game under the belt. How do you feel about the Rams thus far? Well, you know, the funny thing is, Joe, like the more I thought about the week one, it, it just kept sticking with me a little bit. There was something that was there that I was like, you know, it was kind of a, a regular old preseason game, but it felt – a little bit different. And and once I started thinking about the themes of the game, it felt it felt like Jeff Fisher-Rams football, for good and for bad. You know, started out, the defense created turnover. The offense scored off that turnover. Other than that, the offense was really hit or miss. They had one other good drive, really. Other than that, once they got the turnover, they could score a touchdown. Without that turnover, they really were kind of lost. Um, then... You know, in the second half, they kind of let off the gas, let the defense take over, and then somehow they ended up kind of close game at the end, uh, leaning on the defense. And then uh, Jeff Fisher decides to uh, try to win the game on an uh, unreasonably long um, field goal by Greg Zerling. It and, be, You know, it that's kind be. of how those games go. Like you know, back a couple of years ago, they won a couple of games on a last field goal. You know, this, this game they didn't win on the last field goal. The defense actually gave the offense another try at it, and they actually uh, decided to try an even longer field goal. So it it felt very familiar, and you know, it was it was good in that way because the defense kept giving the offense chances, but uh, the offense kept kind of turning that uh, turning it into pumpkins. So yeah, I like was, the I, I like the idea that that there's a chance that every single game for the Rams this year could come, come down to a last-second football. I almost feel like it's it's faded at this point that it's going to come down to some 63-yard field goal that Greg Zerline's scrambling to get out there. It's, just, it's that kind of a feeling about the team. It's like you mentioned. You, you've got a, a pretty stalwart defense. Obviously, things are going to take some time to come together because as young as it is, uh, you're going to get some undisciplined play, but that's where really the talent is on this team. And then an offense that's what, for the past eight years, trying to find itself and trying to get some real identity. I guess we're closer with the running game, but I don't know that we really got a great sense of that uh, against the Saints. You had Trey Mason, 51 carries, but it came on uh, 51 carries, 51 yards on, although 51 carries would be pretty impressive. 51 yards on 15 okay. carries would be, be well, yeah. until the next week when Fisher forces them to go for 58 carries just to break the record. 51 yards on 15 carries, but that's less than three and a half per. Uh, Chase Reynolds had that big run. That left him with some decent totals. Zach Stacey only had four rushes, albeit for 22 yards. So, I, you know, you look at the totals, and it, it seems like a pretty run-heavy output, but they actually passed the ball two more times than they did run it. The difference is that they were playing a New Orleans team that passed the ball 40 times and ran at 24. So you get a sense of really where the pass-heavy – Offenses are in terms of an individual game set, and we saw that a bit with Griffin and McCown. But you know, this week we get Sam Bradford back on the field. What what would you like to see? What are you expecting from Sam? What are you hoping from Sam? What is kind of the baseline, and then what would be uh, a nice to have, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the baseline is is no injuries, and that's that's always what you're looking for. I think what I'm really going to be looking at and. Um, the type of thing that you look for in the preseason is just the feel. He's obviously going to be rusty, but what Sam Bradford has been criticized fairly for in the past is that he, he's kind of had uh, cabin fever inside the pocket. And sure, uh, I just want to make sure and hope that uh, despite the knee injury, he's not going to increase that, that cabin fever or he's not going to even be at the same level. He's going to be confident in the pocket that, somebody's not going to, you know, um, Tom Brady in. Um, so if, as long as he's standing back there confident uh, and can step into throws, because that's really the difference in his arm strength. When he, when he can step into the throw, he can get it there. But when he's got to lean back, it's, it's, it's usually not as great of a result. So that confidence in the pocket is really what I'm looking for. I mean, a nice-to-have would be, you know, a series of completions a clean slate and off the field, you know. And But if he has a couple of incompletions, it's not the end of the day. Um, I really just want him to look comfortable, uh, both from a rush perspective and a, and a cabin fever perspective, as it were. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see, because as I mentioned, I'm sure as you know, Jake Long's not going to be on the field on Saturday. Uh, so the Rams are still without the starting left tackle, but it looks like just about everybody else on the offensive line is there. Greg Robinson, obviously, is going to be a key member of this offensive line moving forward, and I think you you saw some of the the, the speed bumps on the learning curve for him, uh, letting up that sack where he had some miscommunication on the line against the Saints and some of the pass protection issues. I mean, he's a beast. He can absolutely maul, but, you know, when you talk about the NFL, a lot of it is technique and refining your skill set to be able to work well with the guys alongside you, and I thought there were some issues there. To be fair, you know, redshirt sophomore, young guy, it's going to take some uh, a while to work out, but as you mentioned, you know, with Sam Bradford, uh, the the issue a lot of times is dealing with pressure, and the, the less you give him to deal with, the better off you're going to be, so I'm really interested to see the development of this offensive line as we get into the preseason and, and move forward, get closer to week one, where, you know, you don't want to risk injury, uh, you, you don't want to have to deal with you know, the the kind of pressure created plays, whether that's interceptions or throwing the ball away, those kind of things. Really interested to see how this offensive line develops. On the defensive side, uh Fisher came out after practice, I guess mentioned that Truman Johnson, Brandon McGee are both expected to play. Janoris Jenkins might be a game-time decision. What, what do you think about the defense and the secondary specifically? I think we're all excited about the defensive line. Aaron Donald looks like he could be a really impressive player, and obviously the hype's been so big in the off season. What do you think about the secondary, or secondary? What do you think about the secondary? What do you want to see out of the back on Saturday? I mean, I think the, the secondary has always been kind of a consternation amongst fans, especially uh, the online type with the uh, – the kind of the coverages that we used to play. And hopefully that's a a thing of the past. But I think these, um, I think just consistent coverage. You know, I think a lot of uh, Jenkins's and uh, Jermaine's problem is is Burns. And, uh, you know, you never want to see that. And I think you'd rather kind of, see them play a little consistent coverage, especially with the ability of the front seven rather than taking risks, uh, kind of uh, playing their position and waiting for a deflected ball or something to, uh, or a less than accurate ball due to pressure, just be in the right place at the right time. I think um, it's, it's just so unsettled that I think I'm excited to look at some other guys. I think, you know, gains obviously started last week and there's, um, there's other guys uh, that are kind of waiting for a chance as well. So, um, you know, Mo Alexander absolutely in the, in the safety position. That's another position I'm really concerned about. Uh, similar to uh, quarterback, and they have a bunch of bunch of young guys kind of uh, duking it out. And just I feel like they're just waiting for somebody to kind of develop into that uh, top-tier player, and, and nobody's really – kind of taking that step forward or, you know, uh, nobody's even really kind of taking that step back, but everybody's kind of staying at the same level. So somebody really needs to distinguish themselves and um, if they kind of want to take that defense to the next uh, level. Um, And the secondary is especially if they're um, keying off turnovers. I mean, you can generate sacks and fumbles and that sort of thing from the defensive line, but if you're going to get picks, and and start running them back to help the offense that has to start out in the secondary. So, you know, turnovers are so random that I'm not going to look for them to generate turnovers. I just want them to kind of eliminate mistakes back there, which has been far too often. We've seen those mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we got Will on the line. Let's bring on Will. There's Will Horton. I think almost everybody knows him out there in KST uh, land. Friend of the fa- friend of the family, as everybody is that comes on Terrestrial Radio. It's Will Horton from Heard. Will, what's going on, there, man?
1: Hey, it's a beautiful evening in uh, in in St. Louis. Actually, I'm in Edwardsville, Illinois right now, uh, but uh, it is a beautiful evening. If you like mugginess and 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 crickets and chirping things and this and that, so. And Uh, as far as I know, I haven't checked Twitter in the last five minutes. As far as I know, the city hasn't burned down yet, so that's always that's always.
0: Well, you know, when when you get down to Louisiana, man, burning down cities, crickets, and mugginess is kind of a a nightly occurrence, uh, both outside (laughs) and inside the house. Well, we were talking about the secondary and kind of the. Uh, the cushion of death, as I like to call it. But you've been out at camp. What have have you seen from the defense while you've been at camp? What are some other camp observations that that you've got that might give us some information about where the team's going from uh, being there in person?
1: Well, I I mean, I guess I I want to preface what I say by, I mean, talking about our corners really being hurt the last couple years, as everyone knows, by all that off coverage. I think Janoris Jenkins in particular because he was really built as a just an instinctive guy, a little guy That's one that's going to play the pest. You know, he wants to try to ride in the in the receiver's shirt pocket the whole time, and disrupt the uh, and you know go for the ball when read the quarterback, jump for the ball, all that kind of business. And having him play off coverage, having do zone handoffs to the likes of Craig Dahl or uh, whoever you know was back there in safety, uh, it just never worked for him. You know, he just that that required you know a, a man of subtlety. Uh, perhaps, you know, or something like that. And I'm not sure if that's Janoris' game. Um, right. I'm not saying that he's going to be great if you play him in press man, but uh, I think he has a better chance of being successful. Um, the, uh, I think that we saw, uh, I, 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 from what I understand, Greg Williams definitely prefers to play a bit more physical with his corners. Um, early on in camp, though, it really was not working out in the cornerback's favor. Um Janoris, in particular, was just getting muscled over by uh, the likes of Kenny Britt and, and, and Brian Quick and these bigger, taller receivers that can just box out a player without even thinking about it. And, and you know, that, that gave us a lot of hope. You know, hey, Kenny Britt, hey, you know, uh, Brian Quick. I think what we saw yesterday, uh, Tuesday, when I w- went down there to practice, was the cornerback starting to fight back a little bit. Uh, getting hands on balls, getting dis- disrupting the receiver as he tries to come down with a catch. Um being more more of a pest, and I think that the they started to play a little bit more even with each other, and I I, I took that as a very good sign that that uh, this group is starting to develop a little bit of an attitude. Um, I definitely think that a, a guy like Lamarcus Joyner, with his uh, with his presence on the field, is is in a you know, he, he he'll take on Zach Stacy head to head, you know, and he'll try to and he'll you know do his best to bring the man down. He hits like a like a like a, a very small but very powerful truck, I guess you could say. Um, So that's exciting. I mean, I I, want to say there's going to be some attitude there. Um, But, you know, to get to what Jeff was saying, and I heard a little bit of what Jeff was saying there, um, are we going to eliminate mistakes? Are we going to get consistency? I don't know, you know. I mean, I'm not sure that that's what this defense is going to excel at. I think this defense is built for the – hanging in games and, and then making splash plays, you know, making the big turnover, trying to get you – know, and and, 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 as, and I agree with Jeff entirely. I mean, I don't know if that's a very smart, you know, game plan uh, in the backfield. Um, you can't count on that happening. Uh, you can't count on the quarterback making mistakes, uh, especially if he's an upper-tier guy. Um, but uh, that seems to be kind of where this team is, what this team is built for right now.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting, I think, as we move through the uh, preseason. mentioned the Saints, obviously, didn't get a look at Drew Brees. Uh, we'll have to see. I don't, I don't think – have you guys seen – is there anything about Aaron Rodgers? I don't, I'd be surprised if he plays. Um, I haven't seen anything. But then you get into the back half of the preseason, you got Cleveland and Miami, obviously expecting a bit from Hoyer and Johnny Manziel uh, next week. And then you've got Ryan Tannehill, who's impressive in year one, obviously. Uh, maybe not a world beater but then you get into the regular season in those first couple weeks with Minnesota, Tampa Bay, and Dallas, you've got to expect that this defense is going to be able to create some opportunities. Just to catch you up, Will, Jeff, since I got into a bit of it with Jeff, what are you expecting from this Packers game? What do you want to see, Will, from the Rams, defense, offense, Sam Bradford, offensive line, whatever it is, Will, what are you hoping to see?
1: Well I thought it was interesting uh last week's game uh Greg Williams played a very vanilla defense in the first quarter. He was very passive. Uh you know, I mean obviously we gave up a lot of big runs because our our, our defensive line was strictly focused on hitting uh hitting gaps and and leaving uh, a ton of cleanup work for the linebackers and secondaries to do, especially in the um, running
0: game.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you started to see, you know, once uh once the Saints just owned essentially the the, the turf uh you started to see Williams get a little bit more uh uh feisty with his play calling. You started to see a little bit more blitz, you started to see a little bit more creativity. I'd like to see that come out of the gate. Obviously I don't want them to show their hand on necessarily everything, but Greg Williams has been in this league for a long time. People know what he does as a defensive coordinator. I don't think he's I don't really buy into the whole hide everything in preseason or you know, secret plans for Tavon Austin, you know, all that kind of business. I I think you you use this excuse against an opponent to um to, to establish a tone. You know, I mean, I believe that the Seahawks did that last last preseason and everyone kind of made fun of them for taking these games more seriously than anyone else, but they wanted to establish a tone. I'd like to see Greg Williams on the defensive side uh uh lay just put that vanilla stuff away and establish a tone right away.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if that happens, Jeff. When you look at this game and maybe you look at the roster, I guess we can talk about some of the position battles. And talking about a tone. Is there there anybody you think at the back end of the roster, whether it's, you know, Bayer, maybe you look at the running backs, or maybe the offensive line? There's a lot of depth that the Rams have to sort through as we get closer to making this 53-man roster a reality. Who's standing up to you so uh, early on that maybe you weren't expecting to really make a team that now has a pretty good shot, maybe somebody that you just noted? Uh, had a couple of big plays Who's somebody that's popped up on your radar. Well, I'm going to I'm going to take the 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 uh the easy way out and agree with uh your article uh which was uh, very well written by the way about the uh position oh, battle and uh, absolutely agree. Yeah, uh the the I think there's a spot open at wide receiver. Um at, at least for the first four games and I think um the Mr. Emery Blake uh, showed himself a little bit in the fourth quarter um, with a couple of catches, and yep. he's uh, he's kind of a guy that's sitting back there that's a little bit. Um, he was on the practice squad last year for the Rams, so he's got maybe a maybe a leg up on the rest of the kind of the uh, TJ Mo and the rookies kind of guys, um, and maybe right. he's a little more talented. That Beltung uh, offers maybe a little bit more, and and kind of. Uh, gives him a, give a little bit of a, a chance there to at least be on the active roster for the first four. Um, and if, and if he impresses on special teams, you know, keep himself on that roster. Yeah, he's definitely got an avenue to make it. Will, I wanted to bring up another wide receiver since we're talking about wide receiver spots. Marty Gilliard, I'm really impressed with this guy's doing in camp. I really think he's got a good chance of making this team. What do you think about Gilliard's chances? Wait, what? What year is it? It's 2014. It's 2014. Never mind. It's 2014. I just had a, our t- official Tertial Times statistician uh, update the calendar for me, and it looks like Gilliard's not an option. Is there anybody, a wide receiver maybe besides Blake, anybody else on the offense that you're looking at that you think maybe uh, has done a, done a good enough job to at least give themselves a chance at making the roster that didn't seem like that was a possibility a couple weeks ago? Will uh you? Are you sorry? i'm oh, sorry,
1: I missed your uh you were talking to me there. I I was just having some Marty Gilliard flashbacks, he uh out out of battle. Yeah. Um but no, so uh yeah, aside from the from the wide receiver position, I mean you mentioned Alex Bayer and, and he obviously had a huge preseason game. Um, you know, and, and, and Justice Cunningham meanwhile had the kind of game that, you know, you just want to forget. I mean Makes you, make you want to think about another line of work kind of thing or just go home. I mean, you know, but obviously he's not, he's, he's not going to do that, but, uh, 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 that was a really disaster game. It really opened the door for somebody to creep in in that fourth, uh, fourth tight end. Um, the, uh, I keep waiting for someone to distinguish themselves in, in, in the backup center, whether it's Tim Barnes or, 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 uh, uh Barrett Jones or, uh, uh, Rainey, um, and, and and it really hasn't happened. That's that's a position where I feel like, you know, any one of those three guys could try to, you know, could could make a statement. Um but uh you know I haven't seen it happen. Um there is no, offensive I totally lineman agree. whose no name go ahead. is escaping. I thought, I
0: thought you were done.
1: Yeah I'm sorry, there's another offensive lineman whose name is escaping me, so I'm I'm gonna to to come back to that one.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. There's a couple names on the back end of that offensive line. I think, you know, the, the Rams are pretty much locked in about six, seven deep. But, the, you know, if you look at it and assume that they're going to hit nine people, maybe even ten on that offensive line, there's a lot of opportunity for some guys to make, you know, a showing. And that's really what the preseason's for. I look at it the same way, uh, you know, we were talking about the secondary. Jeff, coming back to you, is there anybody on the defensive side? And obviously the, the big name on the defense is going to be Michael Sam. And he had some impressive plays in, uh, you know, the first – showing against the saints but there's going to be a lot more asked of them especially if the the question is coming down specifically to special teams uh but i look at the back end of that uh cornerback safeties and as much as we talk about the starters needing to get better you've got some space there for depth uh is there is there anybody any names that's kind of jumped out to you as being a possibility of making this team maybe a cornerback or safety and maybe having the chance to actually see the field in those positions Well, I I think the one player that really sticks out, name-wise, and and this may be just kind of a function of uh, when he was signed, but uh, Greg Reed uh, certainly is a player that I think a lot of people have their eyes on. um, Just because, you know, he was signed in the middle of kind of the doldrums of the summer, so a lot of people kind of uh, spent their their football uh, oxygen on watching highlight videos from 2012 and stuff like that. and sure kind of projected um, on him as kind of, you know, you you have this unknown guy with, with, you know, a grainy highlight video, you know, he's like a, he's like a Euroleague star in the NBA draft. You're like, you know, he could be anything. Um, So I think he's a guy that, that has some skill, obviously has a lot of rust. um, But as I mentioned before, it's really pretty much pretty unsettled back there with, with a bunch of young guys and, um, the NFL is so pass happy that nickel is, is basically I believe that was an article on, um, uh, land or football Outsiders or something like that, that, um, you know, nickel is the new base. Um, so, uh, three guys that can cover is really what you got to start with. And, um, if you include uh joiner into the, the starters in that case, I think, um, you know, going to a fourth or fifth corner is, is really not, um, not anything special in today's NFL. So um, a player like Reed, um, who could potentially cover a a small, fast guy, a fourth or fifth wide receiver, um, you got a chance to see the field a lot, especially um, if if some teams, the Rams are going to play like the Cowboys and Eagles are going to, you know, spread the field. Will, you've been down there in person. Is is anybody jumping out? Obviously, the energy that people are talking about with Marcus Joyner is going to jump out to even people who don't know what's going on when you watch a football game. Energy has a way of doing that. But uh, is there anybody that's maybe shown that, you know, the skills that they've got for the secondary may be something worth keeping?
1: Well, I I definitely like EJ Gaines and what he's been doing. I mean, he has a nose for the ball. He he could have caused two fumbles in in, in the preseason game. Um, Right. And and I I feel like – you know he's another he's another guy who can hit um i mean it, the, the tweets from from practice today you they sounded like uh greg williams was really focusing on just you know the viol- i mean violence i mean you know having getting guys to hit getting guys to to make the pads pop and that sort of thing and, and Gaines is a guy like that um uh which is you know invaluable at a corner position i mean you expect that from a safety but when you have a corner that can hit that's uh that's a big plus um and, and not necessarily with the same physicality, but uh, another guy who I think has a lot of fluidity, a lot of raw uh, tools to work with is uh, Marcus Roberson from uh, Florida. He's uh, very, very smooth when, uh, when you ask him to cut or, or flip his hips and do, uh, do things and drills. Um, he didn't have the greatest preseason game. He had a couple of good plays and a couple where he just got turned around and got burnt. Um, I think he was one of several that was left standing in the dust on that uh, Brandon Cooks touchdown. Um, but, uh, you know, that. that but uh, he's a guy that, you know, I don't know if he makes the squad right off the bat, but, you know, I could see the team seeing something of value in him. Um, and it was interesting to see, uh, uh, getting back to Greg Reed for a moment, he was uh, doing some kick return di- duty uh, during practice on Tuesday, and uh, when you talk about the need for nickel defense, it's probably a lot easier for the Rams to consider keeping a guy uh, as an extra player who can uh, handle that with duty on special teams and a, a valued position on, on defense, you know, as a, as a fourth uh, fourth corner or a fifth corner right. versus keeping a sixth or a seventh wide receiver for a guy like Justin Beltung, who I like Beltung a lot. I think he's got the best movement out of uh, anybody back there. But, um, you know, that's all he's going to do is return kicks, and that's a luxury position.
0: Yeah, it's a difficult value proposition because you're talking about, um, you know, everybody remembers the big plays that uh, come on special teams, but they're so limited that it's almost you get one chance, two chances, to make a big play on special teams and then kind of be invisible the rest of the season versus somebody who can slowly put in, you know, quality work as a reserve uh, secondary member and maybe get three, four plays a game where, you know, as long as they hold down their role, it maybe has a bit more impact. It's difficult It's difficult to sense that for the fans, especially, you know, the way we react to things, and obviously whatever happened the last game was the most important game of all time, and, you know, somebody screws up in the last game and, I screw it, cut them. Uh, You know, it's difficult to to assess the long-term value, but uh, I'd probably agree with you that the chance that somebody has to make as a quarterback on on the team is probably going to outweigh what they might be able to do in special teams. It's interesting to think about the whole violence and the hitting thing. Obviously, this has been a team that's largely been without an identity for a long time. Do you guys think? Uh, you know, looking at Greg Williams, let's go back to you. I guess and we'll, we'll play, I'll keep flip flopping back and forth between you guys, Jeff. You know, when you talk about the hitting and the physicality, is that it, it, do you think that's enough maybe to get the Rams over the hump and maybe into the postseason? Is it is it enough maybe just to have an identity as a physical team and you, you know, you got a sense of that last year, that this was a Rams team that even though, you know, we weren't all that successful last in the division, albeit with not a pitiful record, that maybe this was a team that people didn't want to play. Is that something maybe that's that's getting more pronounced and something we, we need to see more of? Yeah, I, I think you're definitely hit on on something that the Rams finally kind of um, discovered, uh, you know discovered being a, a nice term for them, stumbling upon uh, run first, keep it simple, like a defense identity towards the second half of last year. Um, I think Greg Williams definitely adds to that um, kind of the teeth uh, of the team. Uh, as Will alluded to, you know, um, it, it seemed like he was following orders, keeping a vanilla defense, and then he just got mad and started blitzing uh, during the preseason game, which, you know, I, I think that's that's certainly not a bad um, situation to be in. I mean, everybody knows you have a corner blitz and a linebacker blitz and A-cap a blitz. So, you know, showing those things is not necessarily showing your hand. Um, um, but I think he brings that attitude uh, and that uh, stature um, that the Rams haven't had in their, in their defense. Even though they've been good, um, that, that kind of... Respect level, and that's that's really what it comes down to in the NFL is that uh, you know they'll respect Greg Williams' defense because they've seen Greg Williams' defense before and they know that it can be good. Whereas the Rams' defense is good, but they're like, you know, what is it? You know, are they blitzing? Are they playing off? Are they playing zone? Nobody really knew. So I think that that kind of gives them an identity as a blitzing team and, uh, sure. and kind of a rough and tumble physical. Uh, defense which is good. Um I, I think the only thing that kind of um sours that a bit is that um kind of, you kinda of feel like uh ninety eight degrees in the in the boy band race, you know. Um the forty nine ers the backstreet boys, uh, you know, then up comes along in sync, uh, you know, and then the Rams are kinda of like, well, you know, we've seen these guys before. They they play good defense. They're tough. They, you know, get in people's faces. So, you know, uh, we've kind of seen that before. So that's the only thing so that kind of towers the identity to me a little bit is that it, it feels like, you know, just another team out there in the West, you know?
1: So are the Cardinals O-Town in this extended metaphor?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm really, really uncomfortable it. where this analogy is going, guys. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> we, we, this is new gra- This is new ground for tertiary radio, and I want to act like I don't understand the analogy. And it feels all so real. The ninety eight degrees of the SC West is just, oh God. But then I you know, I'm old enough to know Manudo, and new edition, and I don't know, maybe that's the Peyton Mannings and the Tom Brady's of the league. Will is is the idea that that there's an identity of that physicality and aggressiveness and I've got this I've got this picture in my head of Greg Williams you know, midway through the third quarter kicking a random clipboard and just saying, ah, screw it, and not actually saying those words, but saying something less family-friendly, um, and, and just going in, in, into, you know, super cyan mode and saying, you know what, let's just go out there and inflict some pain on people and do the kind of things that saw him get kicked out of the league for a while. Is there a feeling that you're you're sensing that the Rams are a little bit different in personality? Now, obviously that bubbled up. I mean, everybody remembers the Carolina game last year. And there was always this refrain of the Rams are, are doing a lot of talking but not really getting results. But a lot of times it felt like those, you know, it's a team game that maybe the defense had uh, that kind of mentality and that kind of attitude, but the offense wasn't keeping pace. Is so there maybe a sense that this is something bigger now, that it's, that it's really a team that is getting more aggressive and more physical and more, uh, what, what's the word, more 98 degrees? I don't know. <laughs> you know, a that team that, that really wants to come out and punch you in the mouth.
1: Okay, so you just put 98 degrees and punching somebody in the mouth in the sentence together, but not in the way that I would normally have expected.
0: Well, um, all I know is every time yeah, I think I, of 98 degrees, I just want to punch somebody in the mouth. So
1: There you go. Okay, there you go.
0: Uh, the
1: So, yeah, absolutely on defense. I still don't know on offense. I mean, I look at our core guys, and I don't see that punch-you-in-the-mouth attitude, um, except for maybe Greg Robinson, who – will smile the entire time. I mean, he'll call you his best friend as he throws you to the ground, you know, and pick you back up again and invites you to Thanksgiving. But, you know, you know, so that kind of – Jonathan Ogden had, had the reputation of being the same kind of guy. I mean, a, a smiling giant that would just destroy you flat out, you know, every day on every Sunday. Um, but, you know, you look at Bradford, and he's just never going to be a fiery leader. You look at Zach Stacy, and he's a good runner. He's a hard runner, but he's a quiet guy. You know, he's a nice guy. Uh, I don't yeah. know if Trey Mason is, has, has that mean, meanness to it, you know. Whereas you look at, like, the, the second and third string guys on, on the Rams defense. I mean, uh, Eugene Sims is, is a bad, you know, I'm not going to say the rest of that sentence, but he is, a, you know, he's a bad man. In, in in a good good way uh you know and and that guy can't even crack the starting rotation you know uh there, there's just so much there's a bit of a, there's a personality split I, I don't know that this offense is fully up to the Jeff Fisher standard as far as that level of toughness you know okay. um that's 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 kind of my read on it
0: well, I'd put it like this. Regardless of whether or not they feel it, I think there's a good chance that uh, when the offense comes off the field to the Rams, if they're not playing angry, then uh, maybe some of us will be able to fill that void, as has been the history. Uh, before I close out uh, with you guys, just want to mention numbers three four seven eight five seven one zero two two. 857 It's Churchill Radio with your boy 3K. Got Jeff and Will on here. Uh, Jeff underscore the character underscore the word. Uh, if you guys if you're having difficulty figuring that out, just check the timelines for Tertial Radio, Tertial Times and myself. You guys will find it. And obviously Will Horton, Rams Heard, Blogger Emeritus. Great piece by the way, uh, from Will, if you guys didn't see it on being able to go to practice and kind of the catharsis and the uh the exodus that that provided from what's going on in St. Louis and the burning down of houses that we mentioned earlier, even though there wasn't much burning down passes. houses. I, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I'm taking it a step too long. And just, yeah, yeah, I'm running out of ways to discuss it. Let's get to the theme of the night. How about that? It's always the soft toe of the rain. Look, theme of the night, guys, who has the most to gain from the weekend? Big game against the Packers, obviously, Sam Bradford's first play. Who's got the most to get out of this game? Is it going to be Sam? Obviously, Jeff, you talked about the expectations there, the offensive line. They've got a lot of growing to do together as a unit. Jeff, what do you think? Who's got the most to gain from the weekend? Maybe it's somebody on the defensive side. Well, you know what? I'm going to go to the offense, and I'm just going to um, actually pick uh, pick Greg Robinson because I think with uh, Jake Long probably not playing, if he plays, uh, he'll play very little. Uh, I think he has the advantage of being able to kind of focus on uh, left guard, but with Jake Long's injury, they kind of um, press him into duty a little bit. at left tackle, which we all kind of felt like maybe he wasn't ready, quite ready for the full um, – uh, every type of uh, pass rusher that he would face over there. So I think sure. he's got the most to gain because I think he's got the most to learn between where he is and where his upside is, if that makes any sense. Um, and the Rams haven't been afraid to play in that multiple positions in the preseason, which I think um, – and I hope that it shows that they're um, letting him learn a little bit and uh, and taking the uh, taking the uh, blinders off a little bit and letting him kind of learn two positions at once, which um, which is a good sign for the, him. And if he can kind of pick up that left tackle uh, while mastering left guard as well, I think that bodes well for his uh, future more towards Jonathan Ogden than. Um, uh, a guy named Smith that the Rams drafted. I don't know. He didn't play that much anyway. Um, so I think that's something to look forward to because uh, you know we all know that Sam Bradford's protection is uh, of the utmost importance. And if, if the Rams want to have success with Sam Bradford and they want him to stick around, they need that left side of the line to be solid. So we try, we've name-dropped Marty Gilliard, Jason Smith, Will. Who are we forgetting? Who's going to fill up this triumvirate? Is it Ty Hill? As a well
1: style. you know i i you know i i i I don't think you can overlook you know the difference that Sam uh, Sam Bradford's gonna make in this offense, you know, taking over from mark bulger I mean you know it's just you know he brings a whole new dimension to this game in my opinion he,
0: uh, no. i did, i did, i do, I do want to appreciate failure drill, yeah i do want to appreciate failure drill who named up Dane looker in the uh, in the show Open Drill. That's an <laughs> impressive reference. But, well you know, done. Um, you have you have an opportunity to create some PTSD flashbacks with some of these names, Will. Let's look forward to maybe more optimistic times. Yeah, yeah. Times. Well, what I'm going to bring up some more. P- Go ahead. I'm going to bring About up some more PTSD
1: for people because cause oh. I think two guys two guys that I think have a lot to gain uh, in in this game are Brian Quick and Stedman Bailey. Quick didn't get sure. a chance to play last week, or you know, it, 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 was, what, it was what little he did. And he didn't do. I mean, he, he was really didn't get a chance to make an impression. Um, right. Yeah. So, but that was after a pretty strong opening couple weeks of camp. And uh, then he had, he had a little bit of a setback, couldn't practice for a few days. Now he's back. Bradford is in uh, for, you know, some period of time. And it would be nice to see him make a play there. Um, Bailey has been catching everything. And he was an obvious star uh, in, in, in last week's uh, preseason game. And he's a guy that, you know, I've been high on for quite a while. He obviously has a very small body of work when it comes to actual NFL production, but he just – he has that end-of-route ability that is – has been really rare on this team to to right. do the wiggle, the hip bump, the the, the shoulder, the whatever it is, the slow-up or the speed-up to get to the ball and in a way that his defender cannot um, – he he has that ability, and and he's a guy that when when people are looking at the Rams schedule and they're forecasting seven or eight consecutive losses from you know week four to week uh, ten or twelve or whatever it is, um, Bailey is going to be coming back off of his suspension, and if he can build up chemistry week two, week three, week four of this preseason, and then pick that up right where it left off that he can be a difference maker that uh, gives the offense an advantage, an unexpected advantage in that really, really tough part of the schedule.
0: Yeah, I think what's interesting when we talk about the wide receivers, the fact that Sam's coming back, I'm interested to see how they cycle through these guys, especially when you throw Kenny Britt into the mix of guys that are coming back from last year. You go back to early in the season, uh, especially weeks like, uh, I think it was weeks two through five, and Austin Pettis was maybe the guy that had the best on-field chemistry it looked like with Sam. If, if he's mm-hmm. being pushed out by this contingent of, let's say, Kenny Britt, uh, obviously Tavon Austin is going to have to get on the field with uh, the ones a lot of the time, especially when we get to the regular season. But you've got, you know, uh, Stephen Bailey and Chris Givens it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how do how did those guys form a relationship with Sam? Is Brian Quick, like you mentioned, is he is he going to be able to finally get on the same page as Sam Bradford, where you've got kind of what you saw just for a half second that didn't go perfect, but still got the play done? Was that seam route from Jared Cook early on, and it, mm-hmm. it, against the Saints, and it, for everybody that saw it, if you notice, the throw was seemingly behind Jared Cook, but like Marshall Falk and Troy Holt were explaining on the on the telecast, it was because Sean Hill was kind of dropping him into space in the zone, and Jared Cook was running through it. That's one of those little small things that when, when you make, you know, what was it, a 20-yard reception, okay, it's not the worst thing because you're able to pick up the, the yardage, but when you get into the regular season and you're talking about, start you know, starting caliber guys everywhere – that can be the difference between a reception and a drop or a reception just, you know, a screwed-up play. You, you've got to have everybody as as connected. Uh, and it's really about a game of inches to have them connected to know that this is that minute space that I'm going to have to be at. This is the minute space that the quarterback is going to throw it in. This is that minute space that the defenders aren't going to be able to get to. I'm interested to see how that plays off, uh, you know, to manifest itself against the Packers and who's really to establish maybe some, some tempo and some chemistry with uh, Sam early on. It's going to be interesting stuff. Um, and then beyond that, yep. Cleveland hey. and Miami, the two... No, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I just got to...
1: I, unfortunately, I meant to preface my last comment by saying that I have to drop off here um, a, a, little early, a little earlier than I'd like to. Um, but this is a treat. I love getting on here and talking football with you guys. Uh, I just unfortunately I have to cut my evening short here just just a, just a bit. It's all to the good, man. Hey, I will say go Rams.
0: Awesome. Perfect. Hey, this is Churchill Radio Friendly. Will Horton, everybody, from Rams. Thanks, Will. Appreciate you coming on, Jeff. You know, we've got these last two games coming up after the Packers game. Uh, as I mentioned, Cleveland and Miami. Roster cuts ahead. Uh, you know, the injury thing is always going to be big. We talked about you know, the fact that they're establishing an identity. G- give me one name that maybe you're high on that you wouldn't admit to friends, but you're willing to publicly admit on tertiary radio. in you know, somebody, on. Uh, it doesn't have to be as wild as Isaiah P, but maybe somebody that you, in your heart, really believe, for whatever reason. It could be completely irrational that this is somebody that's either going to make a big jump and make, make the team and have a role, or is it going to be somebody that's going to jump up into starting caliber? Who's somebody, and maybe it's Sam Bradford. There's a lot of people that think, you know, finally, finally that this is the year that Sam Bradford kind of explodes. Who's somebody that you have in your heart that you, that you feel is going to make a big leap forward over these next couple of weeks? Well, you know, I think I – think, um... And be as crazy and irrational as you, you can pick. <laughs> feel free to pick somebody off the back of the roster, bro. Well, you know what? I'm I'm actually gonna um, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and choose two guys. The first guy I'm gonna choose is is Barrett Jones, who I feel like is the player that well, since he's been drafted has kind of been the guy that's be like, oh yeah, that guy is gonna be great in like two to three years. And been one year in play, he's kind of buried almost behind Tim Barnes. But we know that Scott Wells is kind of aging out of uh the Rams offensive line here in the next couple of years. So he's he's kind of a guy that's like he that step forward has to be coming here at some point. And you recall it's just one of those things where it's like will it happen? And uh I, I'm I've I've always thought that he's just gonna be a starting caliber center in the league and um I I feel like this is Hopefully not the year that we find it out because uh, I'm hoping that uh, there's not enough injuries to the offensive line that we see him uh, from a day-to-day perspective. But um, sure. that uh, and that and that's the unsexy side of, of what – and the sexy side is that I'm going to pick Tavon Austin because – and this may be just because I watched the Tavon Austin highlight video before I called up, but uh, <laughs> he's – a West, a West Virginia highlight video or a Rams highlight video? No, a Rams highlight video, dare I wow. say, uh, from, from last I'm year. I'm surprised you didn't and, come uh, in with the press, And you know what, maybe just because I watched the highlights and nothing else, but I feel like he, we, we know exactly who he is. He, he's a guy who's, who's highlights and nothing else. Um, and I think that's the kind of player that the Rams need on offense, um, their offense is super boring, super yeah. conservative. Yeah. They, they won't go for a fourth and one on the 40-yard line uh, when they're down six, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and consequently, they need to be able to score with big plays. And I think Tavon Austin is a guy that, uh, you know, you won't see him all game. Then he'll catch a 60-yard touchdown weaving through a million defenders or he'll, or he'll um, return a punt you know, from the two-yard line when you're like, let it go out of bounds, dude, uh, and he just turns it into a touchdown. So I think he kind of, despite the whole Spanish thing and the, you know, Tory Holt saying that he's been quiet and the Taylor awesome thing, I think that he's exactly what you'd expect from watching his highlight videos at West Virginia. And watching it at West Virginia is that over a full season, his second year, I think – the Rams will either find ways to get him involved or he'll be involved just through getting the ball in space once or twice in a game, and that's really all that's necessary. You know, the, the, the running game and the, the smash-mouth football is great, but if you don't have that other component that can break a game open, it's, it's really not going really to scare anybody. And I think yeah, he's the one guy over a full year that can kind of um, actually change the game, and I think he'll he will will do it more often than he did at the beginning of last year. Certainly. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is the narrative around Tavon's kind of changed, and it, probably pretty fairly that it, it's almost the feeling that Tavon was himself in year one. The problem was the utilization of him, and obviously Brian Schottenheimer doesn't have a bunch of fans in St. Louis right now. But this idea that. Uh, that maybe the biggest problem with Tavon was how he was used and not, you know, what he was doing on the field, that he was just out there and the way he plays football was uh, evident from day one and that, you know, the criticism of maybe overdrafting him has little to do with Tavon Austin. It has more to do with the coaching staff in the front office. I think it's interesting to see if they've uh, – what they've learned. And you gotta assume you got to assume that these are, you know – adults that <laughs> have functioning brains and have been able to get, uh, you know, some some of the highest positions in coaching and sports. And obviously when you talk about the NFL as the premier sports league in the United States, the fact that they've gotten to where they are in terms of Jeff Fisher and uh, Brian Schottenheimer and everybody else on the offensive side of the staff, they, they've got some sense of how to run an offense in, in the sport of football Tavon Austin is such an interesting case and such a difficult case to manage when either, A, you don't have the other components to take full advantage of what he offers or, B, the complexity of what he was doing at West Virginia under Dana Holgerson is something that's too hard to replicate at the NFL level and it's just something that the coaching staff isn't prepared or capable of doing. Either way, neither of those is really a condemnation of Tavon Austin, the player, It's really about how they're using him. He's he's an interesting case, man, and I think maybe beyond Sam Bradford and beyond defensive line, he's maybe the biggest narrative on this team. Outside of Michael Sam, obviously Michael Sam's going to get some national attention, and that's to be understood. But uh, as a player, in terms of football, he may be the most interesting storyline after Sam Bradford in the defensive line for this team, only because he's capable of doing stuff that so few guys are, like you said. He's taking the the punts that just let it go out of bounds and turning those into touchdowns. He's just so damn fast and so damn quick. He's he's fun to watch, and I think uh, I'm on board with you, at least hoping that we have more fun watching the next highlight film getting made than... Waiting for those plays to happen That seemed to be the case last year But hey Jeff I want to thank you for coming on My man it's Jeff underscore the character Underscore the word how many times have we said that We're going to have to come up with like a graphic <laughs> That I can throw up for people to understand it Instead of saying it That's right uh, That's Jeff right. Roman. Everybody. A little hey thanks Joe, I really appreciate it I had a great time Hey thanks man Jeff Roman everybody I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let him finish that on Twitter Because I want to hear what he had to say But okay. we'll extend this on to Twitter, on to the site, uh, some good pieces out there. We've got the radio piece up in the prime position. you got a, a Rich Eisen kind of response piece that's getting some traction late tonight. Ryan posted a little bit ago after the uh, open start for practice about how the Rams make a ton of sense in Los Angeles. As much as that may bring some discomfort to the St. Louis area fans, the reality is that's a storyline that is going absolutely nowhere. So just – just get used to it, you know, toughen up, get to develop some thicker skin cuz we're going to we're going to have to deal with it for quite a quite a while. Um another good piece up from Ryan earlier uh in the afternoon about what to watch for Bradford uh coming back for his first game since the injury in Carolina. I think that's got to be the major story going into this game against the Packers. I've got a and a with Jason Hershorn of Acme Packing Company, the uh, SB Nation. <coughs> Excuse me. Explanation three for fans of the Green Bay Packers coming up tomorrow. A little five-piece Q&A. You guys might remember that for people who have been around Churchill Times for a while, how I usually run these Q&As with the guys from the other sites. Some interesting stuff uh, coming from him, but, you know, going into this game, I think the major narrative for the Rams, at least early on, is going to be Sam Bradford. Uh, Jeff Fisher suggested that he'd be playing at least – at least, at a minimum, a quarter. I thought that was a little bit surprising because I I figured, if anything, that there wouldn't be a problem of, you know, trotting out Sam to get a little bit of time, maybe a series, and depending on how long that was, if it was a long series, maybe just limiting his game exposure to that. I I just have this – there's something weird about the logic of holding him out in the first week. For however you want to say that because of the risk of injury because you just want to get the team going without him and create this uh kind of discrepancy between the Rams as a team and Sam Bradford as the quarterback whatever it is. There's something weird about then a week later, you know, almost suggesting that the knee has healed more or that the risk is less. There's no, there, there's a there's a uh separation of logic. <laughs> and what the Rams are doing. But the reality is I'm okay with that because it's the preseason. Who cares? I want to see Sam out there. So let's throw logic out the window, get Sam some reps, see who he connects with on the wide receiver side. Uh, Maybe there's a good sense of the offensive line stepping up, knowing, look, this is the franchise quarterback. Not saying that they weren't trying to protect Sean Hill, not saying that they weren't going 100%, but, you know, you put Sam Bradford behind the line, and every single one of those guys knows you can't screw up. This is, you know, uh, uh, such a huge part of what this franchise has poured money into that you get you've got to do whatever you can to protect on the offensive line. So seeing that offense operate, getting a sense of the defense. Obviously, it's a little bit tough because you know you've got a couple injuries that you're dealing with there. The defensive line is not really you know completely worked out. I think by the time we see it week one, I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Donald's a starter. Uh, the skill set is just off the charts and. I think the more he gets on the field, the more coaches are going to say, look, we've got to get this guy on the field to start, however that, is, or however that happens. Uh, I, I would guess it happens right alongside Michael Brockers, and you've got, you've got a foursome of Chris Long, Robert Quinn, Michael Brockers, and Aaron Donald that about 30 out of the 31 other teams wish they had uh, instead of their own defensive line and then figuring out what's going on in the secondary. And, you know, the reality is it's the second preseason game. A lot of this is going to be about depth, starting to trim down the roster. Uh, cuts are coming up relatively soon, not the full cuts down to 53, but you got to start trimming soon. You're starting to see some of that, obviously, for anybody who caught. Hard knocks this week, you saw, you know, the the business side of this, and it's not fun. Nobody wants to see it. Um, but the reality is you got to start getting down towards 53. And as much as we have a sense of – Maybe the top 35, 40 who we know are going to make it. There are spots at the back end uh, up for grabs, and that will be something. I know uh, almost everybody saw that piece looking at the numbers, the uh, 53-man prediction for the uh, roster. That will be something that we update and track throughout the preseason because I mean, that's really what the preseason is. It's getting everybody ready. It's getting tempo ready for the season, and it's cutting this roster down to 53 people. Uh, We're coming up on the end of the show. I did want to mention, though, if we're at the end of the show and it's tertiary radio, that means one thing, man. College football. College football. We are two weeks away from the opening. You you could almost call it the beginning of the 2015 NFL draft season because that's what it is for NFL fans. It's the beginning of – Tryouts. It's the beginning of the the audition series for everybody who's on tap. <clears throat> excuse me to make that 2015 NFL draft. Uh, it's, it's a great slate, man. I'm only mentioning this now in case we get caught up next week, and we don't get a chance to talk until the 28th. Because guess what? There are games on the 20. They're two weeks from today. You've got Texas A&M at South Carolina on the newly minted SEC network. Check your local provider for listings. I can't believe I just said that. And at 8 o'clock, you got Boise State against Ole Miss, a game that's uh, going to be played on the neutral site at the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. Great games. You've got some other games, obviously, going on, too. you got about a dozen games on Thursday, two weeks or the night. But A&M at South Carolina, premier talents. you got Cedric uh left tackle now for Texas A&M. They've even got, you know, two or three other guys on that line that I think could be drafted in the 2015 draft. A couple guys on the defensive side, that A&M hasn't really, you know, been known for its defense. They've got some young guys now that someone's there and recruiting that maybe through the pipeline they're going to take a couple years to really develop. We'll have to see. Boy, you say Ole Miss, the the youth for Ole Miss. Man, I I know a lot of people that – you know, maybe don't watch college football obsessively or, you know, NFL fans, they might peek in out for the big games. And, obviously, when you get to bowl season, if you didn't get a chance to see Ole Miss last year, you're missing out on 2017 and 18 NFL draft first-rounders. They've got talents all over the place. Laquan Treadwell, a wide receiver. Obviously, Robert and then Kiche. Uh, and, I, you know, you go back to Texas A&M, the wide receivers that they got, Ricky Seals-Jones, it's going to be silly what we've got just two weeks from today and then the Saturday matchups. Just think about some of these Saturday. This is the first week of college football. Here's what I've got. I'm working on the watch list right now for everybody who doesn't watch and says, okay, I've got some time on Saturday. Maybe I want to turn on this game. Who should I be watching from an NFL standpoint? I'll have the watch list on the blog before then. But think about this for your day, two Saturdays or two weeks from Saturday. Let's put it like that. Noon, Eastern time, UCLA at Virginia. Stack, UCLA is one of the better teams in the country. Forward ahead to 3.30 p.m., Tavon Austin and Stephen Bailey's alma mater, West Virginia, playing Alabama in the Georgia Dome. That's football porn, man. That's 3.30 Eastern time. So you've got 12, 3.30. You get to 5.30 at the end of that West Virginia-Alabama game, Clemson at Georgia, Georgia. Uh, I'm getting sweaty just thinking about it. That's 5.30. Cut ahead to 7 o'clock, excuse me, 8 o'clock. You've got the Florida State-Oklahoma State game. Uh, That's 8 o'clock Eastern coming on ABC. Uh, That one's being played in, I think, was that the Houston game? No, the Wisconsin-LSU at 9 o'clock is the – Houston game, that Oklahoma game is being played in AT&T Stadium, in my hometown, Dallas, Texas. How dare I forget. Now I feel bad. But if Florida State, Oklahoma State, Wisconsin, LSU, to fi- finish out the first week of college football, that's insane. That's a, that's a wonderful examination of everything that college football can be and what it can be for NFL fans. You get a chance to see premier talents go against one another in the very first week. Man, I'm excited to have some damn football back. I'm so – it's just nice to to have this to look forward to, to have football on tap where we can say on Saturday the Rams are on TV. Do what? No, I can't go. I got somewhere to be Saturday. Where do I have to be? I'm watching the damn Rams game. I'm a Rams fan. This is what I do. I block off times for of the weekends. I watch football, and then I talk about it with everybody who knows what they're talking about on the Best Damn Rams blog. No offense to Rams, heard. Love you, Will. But I support Tertial Times, the best, and Rams blog out there. It's a joy to have you guys on the site. I appreciate everybody for listening. I saw there's a lot of listeners out there and they'll call us tonight, but maybe we'll open the mic. And once we get some more football in this and maybe a little bit of alcohol, you guys will be a little bit more willing to call in. But I appreciate you guys listening. This is Tertial Radio with your boy, 3K. We'll get back with you either in a week or two weeks for another episode. But until then, we got the Green Bay Packers coming up. Coming to St. Louis on Saturday, Cleveland and Miami after that. I'm excited, man. Football season is back. You know what that means. Go Rams.
1: Jackie and I'm starting us off The Rams get down So
0: nobody score And don't you worry Cause the Rams are rapping When game time comes We'll be back to Jackson We can't sing And our dance is not pretty But we'll do our best For the team and the city So get on your feet and clap your hands Let's ram it right now With the L.A. Rams Hollywood, handsome Dodge City stuff If you throw it my way It's gonna get rough I like to ram it As you can see Nobody likes ramming Any more than me They call me jitter. nobody dresses with Twitter But under this cool Is a quarterback and a I come from the end Looking for the sack I don't stop coming Till I put them on back. the back limousine with My moves are like dreams They call me the demon On special team. I know how to rock From the toes to the head When I pull the trigger I'll knock you dead I'm a
1: mountain man From West VA They call me Herc And I came to play I learned long ago Ram it just right You can ram it all day And ram it all night
0: Wait, 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 stop the music. We had Marty Gilliard and Dane Looker reference to Sound the Alarm. Oh, my God. Marty Gilliard and Dane Looker. Garrett Gilbert. It's the triumvirate. of football sex. You guys that for it. He knows you got it. See you guys next time. The Lambs.
1: Hello. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation.